lesson today and sermon text comes from Luke's gospel chapter 2 verses 22 through 35 and let me just remind you this is God's word to us it's given to us because he loves us and when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses they brought him up to the up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And, the and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts May be revealed. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Now you may be seated. And uh, let me pray for us as we dive into God's Word. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would open our eyes to see, and our ears to hear, and our hearts to understand what it is that you would have to say to us today, because yours is the voice that we need to hear above all others the voice of love. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so anyone, who's, show of hands, let's do a show of hands. Who's still listening to Christmas music? Okay, handful, all right. Who still has their Christmas tree up? A lot more of you. It's because you were on vacation all this past week. You didn't have time to do it. You just got back yesterday. Otherwise, that sucker would be sitting on the side of the park by now, right? Ready to be mulched. Well, we are still, as I said at the beginning of the service, technically in the season of Christmas. This is the seventh day of Christmas, the only Sunday that we actually get to celebrate in Christmas this year. And here in Luke, we have recorded perhaps the first Christmas song ever written down. I guess unless you uh, count the angels who hailed our Savior's birth, as we sang earlier. Unless you count them on the night that Jesus was born... Uh, this is the first Christmas song ever recorded for us, which in itself uh, is in itself an unusual song by, uh, sung by an unusual man under unusual circumstances. 
So Jesus' parents have brought him to Jerusalem uh, to offer sacrifice there in the temple as it was the Jewish uh, custom and the way that they worshipped. And this guy, Simeon, who it is said of him that he is righteous and devout, which just means he loves God, uh, he worships the Lord and seeks to live a life of faithful obedience to him. It says that when Jesus' parents brought him to the temple... Simeon, who came to the temple in the spirit, uh, which if you've ever seen anyone in the spirit going to church, that can be a scary thing sometimes. Uh, He sweeps up the baby Jesus in his arms and begins to sing this song. Now, imagine if that happened today. If some stranger, when you walked into church, took your small child out of your arms and started singing some cryptic song about him or her. That would be weird. You would probably be a little alarmed and wondering what in the world is going on. And I think that actually it was probably just as a little bit strange then as it is now. And it says that this guy, Simeon, was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for what and for how long? Well, you see, the people of God have been waiting a long time at this stage in the light in their history in the first century the people of God have been waiting a long time for God to show up hundreds of years in fact you see God's people had betrayed had spent time away from their homeland in exile they were prisoners of other countries And even after they came back to their homeland, they never really had it back to themselves. They now lived with all sorts uh, of other people. They shared it with others, and they still had some occupying force over them. In this case, it would be Rome. So life has not really been swell for Israel for a very, very long time. And furthermore, no one really had heard from God for hundreds of years also. I mean, the Israelites were used to having uh, these prophets sent by the Lord to speak to them with the words of God, but that has only silence. Cutting in and out, it is. Is there anything I should do or just roll with it? Sorry? Use a podium? Let's do that. Because it's annoying me, I'm sure it's annoying you too, so... And I'll try to remember to use my preacher voice. So as I said, you know, the people of God were used to God sending these prophets to come and to tell them what God had to say. And they've now had nothing but silence for hundreds of years. So Simeon, like so many other faithful Israelites, have been waiting for God to make good on the promises that he had made to these people through their forefathers. Through Adam, through Noah, through Abraham through Moses, through David. God's people had been promised that they would receive shalom, that they would receive peace, that they would receive flourishing under God's good and righteous reign. But the Israelites had not experienced anything like that for centuries. They had turned away from God, and so it seems that God had in turn turned away from them. And furthermore, Simeon himself was waiting for a personal promise from God to be fulfilled in his life, that he would not see death until he personally saw 
this consolation of Israel. Now, what do you think of when you hear the word consolation? It's not really a word that we use a ton as much anymore. I know that when I hear the word consolation, I immediately think of consolation bracket. If you know what a consolation bracket is, it's when you're playing in some sort of sports tournament or something and you lose, you get to play in this other mini tournament called the consolation bracket, which is better known as the loser's bracket, right? You didn't win, you lost. Oh, but we have some games left for you to play out that really mean nothing because you're a loser. You lost. So here's your consolation bracket. Or I also think of uh, when someone says to you, well, if it's any consolation, which always means whatever the next words out of their mouth are, it's never a consolation, right? Anytime anybody says that to you, well, if it's any consolation, you're like, no, that's not any kind of consolation at all. That does not console me. So while that word may have lost some of its luster in our day, the word used here in our passage today is actually a very powerful word. It means comfort. It's the same word used by Jesus to describe the Holy Spirit that will be sent from God, the great comforter. It means, this word means God being present with you in your suffering. In fact, not just present with you in your suffering. It means that when you suffer, when humanity suffers, God himself actually suffers with you, with us, in solidarity. So by waiting for the consolation of Israel, Simeon is not waiting for some loser bracket prize. He is waiting for God himself. He is waiting for God himself to show up and to put all things to right. He is waiting for and has been promised that before he dies, he will see that consolation in the form of a person, the Lord's Christ, which just means anointed one, promised one, Messiah, the one through whom God will fulfill all his promises to his people, that he would forgive them of their sin. He would give them new hearts capable of loving him rightly. He would renew their spirit within them, that he would deliver them from their enemies and restore peace to them once again. And we have no idea how long Simeon has been waiting for this personal promise from God to be fulfilled. It doesn't say at what point in his life he received the promise. But the point is, he's been doing the hard work for, of waiting. Waiting for this consolation to be revealed, not knowing when or really even if it was going to happen. Because the truth is, it's not really waiting if you know when and how that consolation is going to come to you. That's not waiting when you know the date and the time and how and what is going to come. And I think that this time of year, waiting is something that, well, it's always hard for us, but it can be especially difficult. Waiting for consolation. Our patience to wait has to wait faithfully has been tried and tested all year. And then you get to the holiday season from Thanksgiving to Christmas. And there's so much activity and busyness and things going on. And I hope that it was filled with joy in many ways for all of you. But I also know that this time of year can be difficult because it can remind us of all the loss or losses that we have suffered. The loss of relationships that are broken. Loss of loved ones that we lost. 
The loss of hopes and dreams come and gone yet another year with no end in sight. This time of year can remind us as we get to the end and make our New Year's resolutions and you know, try to work ourselves up that we'll have more rigor in this new year. That we still are pained by the same old mistakes, the same old sadness that just won't go away. And then, of course, there's the recent events this past year and even the past few months in our city, our nation, our world. And it makes us wonder, is it really getting any better? Has the violence and the hatred between people, has it only gotten worse? Will it only get worse? And I'm sure Simeon faced the same challenges. I know he did. I just described to you earlier what life was like there in the first century for Israel. Difficult circumstances for him to continue waiting year after year after year. And what if he said on that day, that Lord's Day of worship, you know what? I'm done. I'm tired of waiting. I'm done with all this. I don't want to wait anymore. I'm not going to church today. Well, then he would have missed it. He would have missed out. He would have missed his opportunity to see the Lord's promise won. But instead, he was patient with the process that is Waiting, fighting against all the shortcuts to skip the pain and the difficulty and the work it is to wait. Because we, we know what that is. We, we don't like to wait. We like to distract ourselves from waiting. You know, you can't sit in a waiting room without distracting yourself with something, with busyness, with entertainment. We settle for all sorts of lesser consolations and comforts rather than waiting for the thing that we know will truly bring us Comfort. We text and we fidget with our phones because we don't want to sit and be still and wait. Because if we do that, then our hearts and our minds will begin to wander and all that stuff down there will start to well up inside us. And we go, no, 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 no. Push that back down. No, no, no. I ain't got time for that. Nobody wants to hear about that right now because if I let all that come out, then all the anger and the sadness and the depression and the withdrawal will inevitably follow. So let me distract myself from waiting in silence. But if like Simeon, we're going to have eyes that will see and know the Lord's salvation, if we're going to have eyes that can actually see and recognize his putting to rights all that is broken in ourselves and our world, then we cannot shortcut the waiting. I hate to tell you that, but that's how God has always worked. This has always been his M.O. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 64, verse 4. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Not a God who helps those who help themselves. You ever heard that? It's not Bible. It's not what it says. A God like you who acts for those who wait for him. Doesn't sound right. In our world of being super busy and productive. Elizabeth Elliot says it this way. I realize that the deepest spiritual lessons are not learned by his letting us have our way in the end. But by his make, by, but by his making us wait, bearing with us in love and patience until we are able to honestly pray what he taught his disciples to pray. Thy will be done. Simeon did not shortcut the waiting. 
as tempted as it probably was day after day, week after week, he keeps actively doing the work to wait. He keeps showing up, coming to the temple to worship and pray with God's people, praying the Psalms that give God's people voices to their waiting and shapes their hearts to be patient with this process, to believe and have hope that God is the God who acts for those who know that they are weak who know they need his comfort, his consolation, who continue to hope that they will see the Lord's salvation. And Simeon only gets a foretaste. I mean, we don't know for sure, but I would have to guess he probably died before getting to see Jesus grow up into a man. He probably never got to see Jesus' miracles. He never got to hear Jesus teach and preach in person, but yet he still takes joy. He takes joy in the small, tangible way that God is bringing his salvation to bear in the world because the waiting itself has given him the eyes of faith to see God's salvation at work. And we see it too. If you have the eyes to see and to recognize it, we saw it just now in Jane's baptism. We see it every week in the fellowship that we have with one another. We see it as we pass the peace to one another. We see it when we come forward to this table here in just a moment. We see it when we leave from here and we go out into the places of our life and we show simple acts of love and kindness to one another. These may all seem like small things, tiny things. Like an old man who gets to hold a baby. But we can take joy in these small things if we will submit ourselves to the process of waiting. If we'll allow God to shape our hearts and minds to believe and to hope that God's salvation has come. It has come. It's here now. And it is coming again in full And if we can have those eyes to see this, then we will depart from here in peace. The same as Simeon saying. We'll leave here in peace. We'll lay down our heads and sleep tonight in peace. We'll lay down our lives for one another in peace. We can ultimately face our own deaths in peace. Because our eyes have seen salvation. Our eyes have seen the consolation of our salvation in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.